I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Michael Swain of Fog.net, and across the studio, filling in for Tim Fitzgerald tonight is Katie Marr of WIBW Sports. Katie, thanks for filling in for Fitz, who's out in Las Vegas. I think we lost him, or maybe he lost Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, he got lost. We're going to go with that. He actually just lost Wi-Fi connection, but I think it's a lot funnier if we say that he's lost in Las Vegas. I think, <laughs> I think Fitz would like that too. But make sure you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show and on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make sure you get your game predictions in on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to it in an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com or fog.net. And we will start things off with our two minute drill. The first segment of the two minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's your work boot sender. All right, Katie, Kansas State started slowly and finished with a furious rally that ended in a 33-230 overtime loss at Texas. So take us through the ups and downs of this game and what was a wild fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, it didn't exactly start great for the Wildcats. If you tuned into the first quarter, you didn't miss really anything from K-State. Really couldn't get the offense rolling at all. Run game wasn't working very well for them. Pass game was just basically non-existent. But then towards the end of that first half, they get that blocked punt and they are going to get a touchdown from there. That's when they finally start to get rolling. We've heard a lot from this team this season about how they want to have a really solid four minutes before halftime and four minutes after halftime. They felt like that's what's been setting the tone for them. And that definitely rang true for this one because when it came to the third quarter, very end of the third quarter, that's when they really got rolling. They scored 20 unanswered points in less than five minutes of game time. So honestly, if you're a K-State fan and you missed the first 45 minutes of the game, you really didn't miss much because they get that those 28 unanswered points and then they're able to send it to overtime at the very end, 30 to 30. Texas, of course, drives down the field. They are able to get a field goal. K-State's defense holds them to just a field goal. And then when it comes time for K-State to go down and do the same thing, it's fourth down, they're in the red zone. Chris Kleiman says, I want to go for it. I don't want to get into a shootout with Texas. They just went, went, they went for it, obviously didn't go through. Texas' defense totally read the option there. They knew they needed to go to zone and it worked out because of course they stopped the Cats from getting that touchdown in overtime and they seal it 33 to 30. Team was heartbroken afterwards. Ben Sinnott had a lot of words uh, for the people who've been doubting Will Howard. He highlighted his second half performance. He just absolutely exploded in the past game and uh, really wants to silence the Will Howard doubters. And it was an emotional locker room afterwards. Will Howard had some tears in his eyes. The rest of the guys did as well. Um, but it just really shows they really wanted to win that game. That would have been Chris Kleiman's first win against Texas ever. So and that's a big one too for the Big 12 title race. And obviously, K State yeah. has those aspirations. They'll have to win out, I think, and, and maybe get some help other places. But a really hard fought game. And look, I think you talk about the, the program Chris Kleiman has built. It's championship, I think, mentality. And you saw that with the way they fought back. Yeah, I mean, they held their own against the number seven team in the country. 
And one team who did have a big win, that was Kansas. Won their second straight Big 12 game for the first time in over a decade on Saturday, taking down Iowa State 28-21 to in Ames. How impressed were you, Michael, with the coaching job that Lance Leipold has done this season? Each week I'm more and more impressed. And I think this game is the total epitome of outcoaching your opponent. I think throughout the course of this game, right, you saw punches and counter punches, and I'm very high on Iowa State's coaching staff. Matt Campbell is a very good coach. He's got what I think is probably one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football, and John Haycock. And on the other sideline, I think KU is one of the best coaches in college football, one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. So you saw these two teams going back and forth, right? And for me, the biggest play comes in the second half. Iowa State scores to make it a one-possession game. Iowa State plays their Juicy Wiggle song, which is kind of their, their equivalent of the hum. Every, the stadium's rocking. Everyone's going crazy. What does KU do? They dial up a play to take advantage of what they think Iowa State's going to do. They think Iowa State's going to try and blitz and, and stop the run, so they do a play-action pass. It's an 80-yard connection between Jason Bean and Lawrence Arnold. It flips the game on its head, and all of a sudden, KU gets that momentum back. It ended up being the game-winning score that gets KU to 28 points, and I think this is just the epitome of Lance Leipold's program, right? They go on the road, they don't play perfectly, but they make enough plays and enough adjustments throughout the course of a game where they're able to beat Iowa State. And look, KU's defense has not been perfect this year, but I think what you saw from them in the first half against that Iowa State offense is what you'd expect for a program that is competing at the top end of the Big 12 rather than the bottom end. They made Iowa State look small and they overpowered them at the line of scrimmage. And things changed in the second half. Iowa State made adjustments because Iowa State has good coaching staff. But overall, you're seeing this KU team play at such a high level, and they're doing it with the backup quarterback in Jason Bean. And look, Jason Bean could go and start other places in the country, right? Other Power 5 schools, and he'd win games. But it doesn't change the fact that KU spent the offseason getting ready for Jalen Daniels to be the guy. And you've seen now, as this coaching staff has time to prepare game plans for Jason Bean, they're able to perform at a high level, and you're seeing unprecedented results in the last 15 years as a result. Yeah, Jayhawk fans everywhere should be very, very happy that Jason Bean decided to mm. come back. Preach. Well, yeah. <laughs> Katie, we got the Big 12 scheduling model for the next few years that was released um, this past week, and the Sunflowers Showdown is protected. It's a protected rivalry. We're going to get it. But should there have been more protected rivalries? Yeah, I mean, I think one that a lot of fans are upset about that wasn't protected is Farmageddon. K-State, Iowa State, it's one of, if not the longest running rivalry in college football that's been played every year since 1917. So it's been going for over 100 years and they don't play in a couple in a couple of years upcoming so a lot of fans weren't exactly happy about that one i mean obviously you got to protect the sunflower showdown that's an in-state rivalry that's kind of just there to begin with but another one that i know people were upset about was west virginia not playing cincinnati a whole draw to bringing cincinnati into the conference was that west virginia would finally get an exact big 12 rival that's kind of out there kind of east with them and that's not what ended up happening because they're not playing every year either. Uh, so I think K-State fans were definitely a little disappointed that they don't get to take down Iowa State every year or take on Iowa State every year. Um, they're definitely going to love keeping the Sunflower Showdown because, I mean, how can you not? But I think when it, it kind of brings up the debate of should pods have been a thing, should they have kind of gone in the way that the Big Ten does um, with the two separate sides of the conference, Big Ten East, Big Ten West, Big 12 could have taken a page out of that book, but instead they just kind of went in a different direction that not a lot of fans agreed with. 
there's not a lot of continuity, right? There's not yeah. a lot of time for rivalries to build because you're yeah. chopping and changing, right? You play a team two years in a row, then you're not gonna play them next year. Yeah. I really liked what you mentioned about the pods, right? Making it where it's Iowa State, KU, K-State, and maybe a Colorado, or maybe you throw Oklahoma State in there, and you've got some of these schools with long histories together, right? Where maybe you put Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado together, right? And these schools have continuity, and it makes the conference feel a lot more like it's got some flow to it. And right now it feels very choppy, a lot of travel for these teams. And look, I think we all know that this is a college sports is now a business and they're yeah. not looking at the best interests of student athletes. But I think these decisions, the travel schedules and everything, not necessarily conducive to, I think the college football fan or the student athlete. Yeah, definitely not as bad for the big 12 as it is for other conferences, but geographically wise, but True. yeah. Yeah, now let's take a quick look at our poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. All right, last week's question was, entering the final month of action, who should the Big 12 Coach of the Year be? Mike Gundy got 8% of the vote. Lance Leipold got 91% of the vote. <laughs> um, Chris Kleiman got 0%. Matt Campbell got 1%. Yeah. No shock there. And this week's question is who had the most disappointing loss on Saturday? First option, Oklahoma, Kansas State, or Iowa State. You can vote on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. All right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. Welcome back as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. All right, Katie, Fitz is in <laughs> Las Vegas to yeah. cover Kansas State's season-opening basketball game against USC, but I want to get your take. What are the immediate expectations for Jerome's Tang second season at K-State? I mean, when you look at last season, they surpassed every expectation that literally anybody in the world might have had for them. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight with a first-year head coach and a team of literally all transfers except for two. I mean, last season was a dream for a lot of K-State fans. Um, but when it comes to this season, I think because he set those standards so high last year, K-State fans are expecting a lot. And Jerome Tang hasn't been shy in voicing that he wants a sellout every single home game. I, am, I think we're already there for about four games so far. Um, still to be decided if he actually reaches that goal. But tomorrow night is, of course, their first home, is not, not, not their home opener, but their first opener of the season. They're out in Las Vegas where Fitz is unable to get to us. But... <laughs> Uh, they're going to be taking on USC, and a big thing that people should know ahead of this game is that no, Bronny James will not be playing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how K-State shapes up against them. They're a preseason top 25 team, and K-State is not because they lost their two All-Americans in Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. But I think once they get rolling, people are going to see that Arthur Kaluma and Tyler Perry are shaping up to be some pretty good people to fill the shoes of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. I was at their exhibition match 
last week against Emporia State. Obviously, they're playing a D2 school, so it's very different from the competition they're going to be facing against USC-type opponent or Big 12 opponents later in the season. But they were shaping up pretty good. Um, a lot of kinks to be worked out, like Jerome Tang knew there was going to be. Um, he kind of said in the press conference beforehand, it's kind of like Chick-fil-A. You know what you're going to get. He knew what he was going to get from his team that night, and he said afterwards he was correct. Um, so he knew what he was going to see. Um, they definitely have some things to clean up like any team would at this time of the year before a season starts. Um, but they're without Naquan Tomlin, so they're still fixing some bugs in the paint area. Yeah, I think for K-State, when I look at the team, right, it's going to take some time to gel. And yeah. I think the nice part for K-State, right, uh, Big 12 play is going to be its own animal, but they've got some time now to work through some of the kinks, and I think KU's probably in a very similar situation. Yeah, and speaking of KU, they're set to open their season at home on Monday night against North Carolina Central. Michael, what are you expecting to see from KU during this first week of non-conference play? I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think KU's going to really struggle to shoot the three ball. That's been something that if you go back to the last kind of five exhibition games, if you go back and count those Puerto Rico games that KU played, they've really struggled to shoot the three ball. And Nick Timberlake was brought in to be um, the three-point sniper, the guy to replace Grady Dick's three-point shooting. And he's not really doing it right now. He's struggled in the exhibitions, and he's not necessarily looking very confident. Granted, he's taking the jump from Towson to Kansas, right? I think the adaptation process is understandable. But I think this is one of those deals where he needs to get comfortable quick because if he is not knocking down three-point shots, you're looking up and down the roster and saying, is Kevin McCullough your second-best three-point shooter? If so, I mean, history has shown us right over the course of time that he's not necessarily someone that you want to be taking four, five threes a game. And so maybe he's improved over this offseason. It sounds like Bill Self does expect a step forward close to maybe 34, 35%. But again, this isn't Grady Dick's 38, 39, 40%. So shooting is going to be an issue early in the season. And then I think defensively, they've got to figure this out. Hunter Dickinson is a incredible talent at center, right? One of the most talented big men Bill Self has worked with, but defensively, he's got some things to work through. He played in a different scheme in Michigan, and now they're asking him to do some tougher things. And Bill Self made a really interesting comment this past week. He was asked about Dickinson and if things revolve around him getting comfortable. He said it's going to be on the guards to make sure that Hunter Dickinson is put in a position to have success. And so that's going to be on Dewan Harris. That's going to be on Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams playing the four. It's going to be on them to, in these games, make sure that they're all getting on the same page where then they know where Hunter Dickinson's going to be in the paint, how he's going to guard ball screens, because this is a KU team that, again, has the potential to be really, really good on the perimeter. You think about guys like Marco Jackson, Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris, guys that are long, athletic, can guard. But if you don't have a guy in the middle that can protect the paint, it's really hard to stop other teams. So I think it's going to be a work in progress for KU during non-conference play. For sure. It's going to be an adjustment putting Hunter in the mix. That was something I asked the guys at their media day last week was, what's it been like gelling with an actual big man? Because they haven't really had that uh, last year, especially. So, But Duan said he liked it. He's getting him those assists. So we'll see. Awesome. Well, now we step out of bounds and out of bounds is brought to you by Dara's Corner Market. We love local and we are local for you. Well, the Chiefs and the Dolphins played Sunday in Germany, first NFL game in Germany ever, in front of a huge crowd. But will the Big 12 playing in Mexico also be a success? I'm not too sure. I'm a little iffy on this one because I think you look at what NFL brands are 
internationally and in the United States. I think they are a lot bigger than a college football brand or if you're talking about KU and Houston playing Mexico, college basketball, right? I think NBA is very big in Mexico, but again, I don't know if Kansas basketball, Houston basketball, carries the same cachet. So I'm fascinated to see kind of next December what this thing ends up looking like because it's cool to see in Europe, right? That they're taking on to, to pro football or at least, you know, American football, if you want to call it that. But I'm not sure about basketball, college basketball in Mexico. I'll be fascinated to see how that goes. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot easier to get people on a national t team type train. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was at the Super Bowl this past year, there were a lot of actually fans from Germany that I had met at the fan events that already were Chiefs fans, already were NFL fans. Um, there's a lot more college teams than there are NFL teams or NBA, so it'll be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question is sponsored by Meadowlark Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day. And our fan question this week is, is this now Jason Bean's team? That's asked by Susan in Overland Park. It's a good question. I think so. I think you look at what Jason Bean has done leading this team through what has been a pretty turbulent time, I think, right? You're looking at the guy that was the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in kind of a limbo state where he's got a back injury that is just hard to tell week to week if he's going to be back. And a guy that week to week answers those questions is Jason Bean. And I think he has earned the respect even more so of his team over the last kind of few weeks where I think everyone respected him for coming back, making that tough decision to do it. But the way he's handled himself these last few weeks and the way he's performed on the field, I think these guys really respect him. Yeah, I mean, after the win against Oklahoma, we I talked to several of the guys and they had so many good things to say about Jason Bean. They were saying he's a warrior, he's a fighter, mm -hmm. he's a leader on the team. He's an older guy. He's been with the team for years, so it's not like he's a new guy that just came in. He's a respected voice in there, and they know that he really could have been starting anywhere else, but he came back and he decided to try and continue to make it work with the Jayhawks. The team has definitely bought in. Jalen supports him definitely, mm -hmm. and the fans got to too. Yep, totally agree. You hit the nail on the head. Well, remember to ask us, your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. It's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. Let's get to our predictions, and predictions are brought to you by Kites. Meet your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And let's take a look at last week's results. I don't want to, but we're going to have to. Um, <laughs> the viewers went two and one. Fitz went three now. Nice. I, I think that's a typo, but maybe not. <laughs> I went zero oh and three. I had to, I was in giving mood. I felt like giving everyone a little bit of a break. Uh, I'm now lost the lead again, but let's get to this week's picks now. I'm going to get them right, I bet. Nice. And let's start with Kansas State at home to Baylor. We've got K-State as a 20-and-a-half point favorite. You look, Baylor's not very good. I think that's a lot of points, so I'll take Baylor covering the spread. Yeah, taking such a big spread does kind of make me a little nervous, but I feel like I just know better than to doubt K-State at home because they just play like a different beast when they're at home, so I take K-State to cover. And next we got Kansas at home hosting Texas Tech. They're favored four and a half. I think I'm going to take Kansas to cover in this one. Yeah, I will too. I think this is going to end up being, by the end of the week, around seven points. I think KU is better than Texas Tech, and 
there with the backup quarterback as well. And so our last game of this week is going to be Oklahoma State at UCF. Oklahoma State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Katie, who you got? I got OSU. They're on a roll, and I don't think UCF is going to be the one to stop them. UCF's coming off a nice win over Cincinnati. Oklahoma State's got the letdown spot after Bedlam. I'll take UCF. And so make sure you make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 this week. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by Local for Strong Local Community. Let's start with Katie Marr of WIBW Sports. Well, I think I'm going to talk about K-State just needs to win out for the rest of the season if they want any chance at getting back to the Big 12 championship game. They said it all this offseason. It was their goal. They wanted to get back. They wanted to prove that it wasn't just a one and done and not make it back this year. They still have a very good chance, but they do need some things to happen. Obviously, they need to win out, which is doable. They're hosting Baylor this weekend. Next week is a Sunflower Showdown, and then they've got Farmageddon and Iowa State coming to town to Manhattan. Like I said, they're a different beast at home. I think two of those could be easy wins. Sunflower Showdown could go either way, but if K-State wins out and some more magical things happen, like Texas loses, Oklahoma loses, Oklahoma State might need to lose, it's wide open. And what about you, Michael? Yeah, I want to talk about Lance Leipold, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, KU. You know, Lance Leipold's been pretty open talking about Iowa State being a program that KU needs to follow, whether that be in terms of development over the long term, developing draft picks. But it comes down to facilities, too. And Lance Leipold tells a really interesting story about the first time that he went to Ames back in 2021. He pulls in, gets off the bus, and he looks and sees Iowa State's brand new $90 million football facility. KU didn't have that at that time, and this time, this past weekend, when Lance Leipold got off the bus, he could look at that facility and know he's got one coming as well, and a new stadium coming as well. And KU has matched the facilities race with a program like Iowa State, and they've also shown that they can match the on-field product. And Iowa State's been a team that's been very consistent in recent years, and I think that this is a KU team that continues to develop the right way. And I think it's very similar to what we've seen from Iowa State, where they built, they built, they built, they reached their peak a down year or two, and they're now building again. And I think KU could be in a very similar situation here. You see them continue to build. There's a lot of returning production that can come back for KU next season, and there's a chance that you could see KU continue to build as years come and as the infrastructure around the program continues to grow. So I think it's a fascinating way to look at some of these games where you play once every two years. But, Katie, thanks so much for filling in. Hopefully we get Fitz back next week if we can find him in Las Vegas. Yeah, but he's still lost, but <laughs> I hope I did his chair justice. I think you did, <laughs> and that'll do it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you right here next week and all week on social media.